You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. 8.35 Central African Time at the time of the evening on After Dinner. So we're getting to a segment that all of you enjoy immensely. Get your foot on the pedal to the metal. Hey, it's time for Anwar Kasim on his segment. Drive in with Anwar. Anwar, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Tell me how you're doing this fine, beautiful Tuesday evening. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, brother Shafat. Considering that there is no water once again in Isipingo Beach, I think uh, I think everyone has taken you know a new lesson in Sabar. Honestly, I tell you, Anwar. You know, it's another story. Imagine now if a brother got a leak in the radiator. What a torturous time he's undergoing, and Anwar. Hey, most definitely. I remember watching. You know, a long, long time ago, people used to bust the egg in those type of radiators. People used to put camelic fear, turmeric powder, and I think the third and the most successful of the blockage on the radiators to stop a leak used to be the, I think the green bar soap it was called, I remember. But unfortunately today the vehicles are so advanced, uh, you know, the aluminium core radiators, and Brother Shafat, that will not even suffice to work at, in the least. Yeah, you know, I mean, they have evolved to such a way. I mean, in, in those days, you could even do a quick fix. You could do this blue soap, that soap. And, you know, people used to use uh, uh, their own coir and this and that. But uh, today, it's all getting computerized and AI has taken over, you know, the um, uh, perhaps the servicing of cars, Anwar. Most definitely. They have moved away from simplicity. You know, they've made things non-serviceable. In fact, the majority of all the vehicles that's out in the market today, if you're looking at the clutch systems, the braking systems, you know, there was a time you could you could buy plungers for 50 cents and one rand and renew your, your, your cylinders or whatever it may be. But unfortunately, over the period of time, car manufacturers have realized that they are losing money. So they've decided to make non-serviceable units. So you cannot even put in new plungers because most of them are sealed. The wheel bearings coming today on vehicles are totally sealed. It's welded on, so you need to buy the hub with the wheel bearing. So that is one form of getting to the layman out there and exploiting the, you know, the people for money. But I suppose, you know, when you're talking about advancements, we also need to consider if you look at yesteryear cars had a simple water pump with a simple fan belt, and we had a, a viscous fan or we had a fan that was cool with the uh, fan belt itself. Today we have electronic water pumps, we have electronic thermostats, we have electronic fans. Everything is so advanced. As you mentioned about AI, I suppose the advancement, we've got to, you know, uh, keep in with times, I would say, you know. But the funny part is, Brother Shafaz, yesterday cars never used to break as often as today's uh, motor vehicles. So really it seems like they are manufacturing vehicles to last you an average of 100,000 Ks. And thereafter, everything starts falling apart. Because at my workshop, most of the vehicles I do are just over 100,000 kilometers. Anwar, I'm looking at uh, the prices of the cars of yesteryear, the you know the box-shaped uh, Ford Escorts, and you find uh, the Ford Fairlane, and uh, you know many other vehicles. Uh, they have that uh, old system of that, uh, yeah, as you said, the fan belt and the radiator. So all uh, on the you know, what you call that uh, spark plug and uh, the other thing, the condenser and all that. I mean, do you get space for those cars now? Most definitely, you do. You know, the beauty of those vehicles, you could never get stuck with a points and condenser vehicle. And if the points closed up and if you picked up a mess, you just open it up a little with a screwdriver. 
if you, you, you stop getting spark to the point itself, all you have to do is take a pliers and squeeze or just tap the condenser itself, a small rickety round type of thing. And the stains are so cheap. But yes, you do. I still do some of those vehicles, you know. And Alhamdulillah, it's such a pleasure to work with those vehicles. It is so simple. Everything's at ease. You know, everything's reachable, I would say. Some of the vehicles of today, just to change the spark plugs, you have to drop the motor to a certain degree just to get your plug scanner in there. Most of the vehicles today, you need specialized tools. You can't use yesteryear tools. You know, you have to buy specific tools for certain vehicles. Even the timing has gone so complex nowadays on vehicles. You know, it's gone are the days where you've got timing marks on, or on the chain or basically on the pulleys itself. Today, you must use tools, you know, and there's nothing you can actually do without the tools. So you've got to, you know, invest in tools just to set timing on vehicles. So everything is beyond advancement right now, Brother Shafat. And, uh, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, you get tired sometimes trying to keep up with the modern vehicles because there's a lot of study that you've got to do, you know, to keep up the market. Hey, Adwara, you really bring it alive uh, this evening. Talking about the timing. And then you had the timing torch, you know. I think uh, any, uh, I mean, if, if you thought someone how to use it, so any, you know, they use the term, any Tom, Dick, and Harry could have uh, put the timing right in the car and what? It's very simple, you know. I remember, I think I still got some of those old tiny lights lying around. It has a beautiful flashes. I, I remember growing up as a kid and I used to see my dad do this thing with the timing light. He'll do a chalk line in the pulley and he'll turn the distributor and, yeah, and he'll show me, he says, see, this white line has to mark with that. It has to align with it. And I was very fascinated. I was very young, you know. And, you know, over the period of time as years grew, and I, I found myself using the timeline, depending on it. But over the period, I, I realized you don't really need the timeline. I, I think you pick up a year for it. And I basically listen to the vehicle. I keep it at at a speed of about 2,000 rows per minute. And thereafter, I set the timing, advance the retard, and exactly on that spot. And to know your timing is right, your vehicle has to start on the turn or half a turn, you know, and then you know you've got to try it. It mustn't give you a stagnated start. You know, if you listen to the back of the exhaust, if you hold it steadily for about 2,000 rows and you get a small splatter, it could mean, so many other things, but one of those things could be your timing could be slightly off also. So I think, you know, over the years, experience has gained the better of me. So I haven't used one of those lights forever, I think. Yeah, Anwar, and then, uh, you know, you're tickling my head here. Uh, what about that cleaning, the, what they say, the distributor, and then it's like, yeah, press, press, whether they're throwing petrol or brake load in it, I don't know how. But, you know, you'll hear in many yards, you'll hear the father's turning to the son, yeah, well, I press it, yeah, and he's uh, cleaning the uh, distributor. Talk to us about that phenomenon, Anwar. It was actually the carburetor. What we used to do is, in fact, I still do that sometimes, especially with the tears as they come in. And I save the guys a lot of money. For some reason or the other, you find these motors get weary and old over a period of time, and you find that you need to actually... It's not a very healthy thing to do. What we generally do is we loosen the distributor a little and we pour a little brake fluid into the carburetor itself. Or if we don't use brake fluid, we just choke it, you know, with our hand itself as we rub in it. And you find that by turning the distributor left and right, the car tends to misfire. And by misfire, it throws up to, in the carburetor. Carburetor, we should understand that it sucks in its intake. Exhaust will push out because those are exhaust fumes. 
And, you know, it blows out whatever dirt it, ha- it has in the cupboard, and it lifts it purse beautifully. So touch wood that I've never had a problem, but it's also a very dangerous method because the backfiring of vehicle, you can blow your head gas, which you can damage your spark plugs. You can actually cause a small flame coming through a carburetor. You know, so the touch wood that, you know, those were old tricks, you know, of the trade, I, I suppose I have learned. And it has withered over the time, but alhamdulillah, it's still beneficial to certain vehicles of today. Well said there, I could hear brother Yusuf telling me, bad brakes, carburetor shakes. Yeah, you better go to Anwar. You're heading for a breakdown, brother. Well, Anwar, let's talk about uh, vehicle repositions on the increase. Seems like uh, people can't maintain the installments. Most definitely, you know, I mean, every paper, every time you open the news, you find that the interest rate is, seems to be spiking and your wage doesn't seem to be increasing. The inflation is all time high. I mean, we all, I think, we are aware of the shopping basket, I would put it, because today the value is like virtually twice it is or was from last year. You know, and if you look at the pricing of fuel and it just goes on, the, the, South Africa has a very lengthy you know, way of gaining monetary value from the poor people that work out there. You know, try to create some form of sustenance for themselves. But unfortunately, you know, before you know it, uh, we have an interest rate hike and most of the guys just are giving their vehicles, disposing of their homes, selling things for virtually nothing just to survive. Because liquid cash right now, it's very, very hard to come by and people generally have assets as such, you know. So if we're talking about uh, the reposition rate in South Africa, there is so much of vehicles at the present moment that it actually has dropped the car market considerably. If you look at the first quarter uh, of this year, 2023, the, the debt for uh, non-payment of motor vehicles was something to the tune of 4 billion rands. Now, that is a considerably high amount. Now, one needs to understand, according to the Credit Act itself, the National Credit Act, there is a section called Section 127 where you can basically just give your vehicle into the person you have purchased or to the bank, you know. So it saves you all the uh, money that's been going to be built up in court fees or lawyers' costs, whatever the case is, if and only you know that you cannot afford to pay or make payments on that vehicle. Also, at the same time, there is a section called Section 129 of that same act where... Uh, if you are handed over to the attorneys, the attorneys will give you a letter of demand. Thereafter, it is obviously a high court issue where the court will issue or send a sheriff of the court with a, a state of execution on your name. You know, because you have actually entered into an agreement with a financial uh, institution where you will pay timelessly on certain day of every month. But also, people need to understand that you can actually be guarded to the point because with the National Credit Act, what seems to be happening, and it's a very common flaw in the system itself, there's always loopholes in the system, affordability. Now, if you had to go and if you had to look at your expense and your whatever your, your, your gain is for the month itself on your salary, and you find that uh, lenders or credit providers are actually giving people surplus money. They're giving you vehicles which you cannot afford. And that 
uh, a person needs to be very wary about because you can actually take the institution to task because initially when you asked for the said vehicle, you the, you did not meet the criteria or the affordability in that range. So there is a number of things, but to round it off, I think you know those who are having difficulty with any credit providers, not only for vehicle finance or home loans, you know, get to speak to them, be honest about it, and you know, think or structure a payment plan that will be beneficial to both of your parties. Yeah, Jazakallah for that, uh, Anwar. And we look at the uh, uh, China, uh, China electric vehicle giant, Xi uh, Peng, uh, to buy rivals for more than $740 million. Uh, I think the uh, Chinese, uh, they're buying off everything. Uh, got South Africa under control too, Anwar. Oh, most definitely. If we talk about BRICS, we only entered BRICS because of the Chinese, because of the interest they have in South Africa when it comes to all our minds or minds. But that is for another day. Now, if we look at the Chinese itself, the car manufacturer, Zengping, it is. They bought into DD. Uh, it is actually an app, right, for $740 million, as you mentioned. And they intend to actually produce quite a number of cars. In the first quarter itself of this year, they sold something to the tune of 41,000 vehicles. Now, China is the largest emitter of greenhouse gases. And I think we all know that electric vehicles is taking the world by storm. And that is why Zengping has actually partnered up with Didi and, you know, to create a new brand itself. And they want to create their own vehicles. At the present moment, they employ something to the tune, I think, of about 14,000 some employees at the present moment. So, alhamdulillah, you know, at least they're creating employment, you know. That's what you admire the Chinese government for. They have so many individual independent cities, and each one runs independently. What a beautiful government, Brother Shafat. Seriously, it's somebody that looks after the people, especially if you look at the immigrant countries, exactly the same. Then you look at South Africa, and it becomes a nightmare. Yeah, you know the story that you could give us the tales of two cities, Anwar. Moving on from uh, from wow to new normal. Driverless cars cruise the streets of San Francisco, where else in New York, New York has gone become a war zone and a no-go zone. New York is imploding, but uh, San Francisco they got driverless cars that are cruising. Talk to us, Anwar. Uh, this uh, company, it's actually uh, a company called Ramos Robot Cad. They, they launched this company in 2021, and by the time they perfected it, they did an excellent job, and quite a few people, you know, they had all those test runs that was carried out, and has its advantages and its disadvantages. Obviously, it creates unemployment, firstly. Secondly, if you're looking at all the disadvantage uh, aspects of it, you know, a driverless vehicle or a taxi, as we may know it, you know, uh, basically, uh, they will move actually much slower than a person who is actually driving a vehicle because obviously we're looking at AI, uh, you know, and that is called, everything is controlled by that. So you find that, you know, to reach a destination will take you a longer period of time. And according to them, they say the cab fare is in line with the Uber and all the other uh, vehicles out there, all the other taxi rates itself. So it's not a bad thing, really speaking, but in California itself, because of two accidents that happened, I think, about a week ago, they have uh, prohibited too many of these vehicles on the road. So they've limited it to about 50 during the day and 150 of these vehicles in the night. Now, if you ask yourself how many of us really want to sit in a driverless vehicle watching your, your steering turn by itself, and I know personally, Brother Shafan, because my Mercedes, my son has tried it, my daughter has tried it, I have never seen it, and I, I don't wish to try it. 
where you touch a button, you leave the stadium, and everything is done by yourself. I still believe in human, you know, because I, I feel anything could go wrong. There could be some type of virus or something, and next thing you're, you're plowing into a building. So all these negative thoughts tend to stem, you know. So Alhamdulillah, you know, it's something that's stuck in California, and um, it's doing relatively well for itself, so much so that the government has uh, told these guys you can operate 24-7. So obviously it is a benchmark or a earmark for these guys. Yeah, and well, as you said, uh, you uh, like to be doubly sure. You don't want to depend on that vehicle. Well, we noticed that uh, the lithium craze sparks 1,100% stock gains as well as uh, deep losses. What's this all about? Like a paradox here, Anwar? Most definitely. You see, the problem we are having, if you look at Australia itself, now we know EV cars yeah, has taken over the world and they all need these lithium-ion batteries to actually survive or to actually put life into these vehicles, you know, because of storage capacity. Until such time, some uh, other alternate battery has been produced or made. Lithium right now is the world's most expensive or source or after material. And you find every country is claiming to the bandwagon. Now, if you look at Australia for one, Australia has small to medium firms or businesses that go, they find this uh, lithium and they start mining it and they start looking for investors in this year. And in, when they say it's an up and a downside to it, right, if you are not in, investing into a prominent company itself that has a good track record, has a strong cash flow and a good outlook itself, you will be in a problem, obviously. You know, because everything, the moment you mention lithium and stock starts plummeting and or stock starts rising, the fact of the matter, you need to be careful as to who you invest. You know, so Australia was a very good example that was used because some of the companies are actually turning over, I think, 1,500% more than anticipated. And some, as you mentioned, 1,100% more. But some have also fallen apart with investors' money. So a person needs to be very, very guarded, especially investing in lithium. Yes, it is a short thing at the present moment. We don't know how long this run will actually carry on. But at the same time, just be guarded. Invest in something or invest in a company, you know, that is uh, bears fruit, also has a good, good track record. I suppose that is every investor's, you know, you look at the portfolio and I suppose that is what will actually, you know, benchmark you to go towards that vehicle. I mean, that person or that company. Yeah, well, I'm talking about lithium, and you see that uh, lithium inverters and uh, the prices are this and that. And, uh, you know, you just see the name lithium, and, uh, you know, when the salesperson comes up to you, you said, you know, you're going to get load shading, but here's uh, 600 watts, and there's a 300 watts one, there's a 1,200 watts, but it got lithium. And you look at him like, hey, what a wonder thing he's got, like, you know, like a Superman thing in this. Talk to me about, uh, you know, these inverters and uh, this uh, lithium thing. Uh, but then they, uh, the lithium battery has a lifespan. And beyond that, it can't go. I mean, it'll give you uh, maybe 70,000 hours. And after that, you can't uh, recondition the battery, Anwar. Not really. You know, you can actually, uh, uh, how would I say it? The, the fact of the matter, if you look at lithium, you have two uh, storage cells, basically, when it comes to the batteries. One will be the uh, lithium battery, and one will be the gel batteries. The gel batteries, they don't have much of a lifespan. The power output to it is much less than the lithium battery. So we look at storage capacity as uh, longevity, I would say. You know, so obviously people are going for the lithium-ion batteries. But then again, we have a problem. And a good example of this, 
if you look at the solar panels itself, and just the other day I was having a conversation with one of the guys who does solar panels, and we were talking about China, and China is flooding the world with all the solar panels. But if you're looking at quality, you're going to buy from Canada, you know. And is but if you really want your in South Africa itself, you know, this was an amazing one. Is if you want to buy a solar panel, there's a company I think up in Johannesburg, not to advertise for them, but a remarkable and brilliant idea they have come up with, where they're actually making solar panels that is totally 100% functional, that is cracked. So when one of the thieves happened to see the solar panels, he feels it is damaged or broken, and he leaves it alone. What he doesn't realize is those panels are coming from a factory that is deliberately made to look as if it is damaged. So I suppose every country has its ups and downs when it comes to all this. But when it comes to lithium itself, you know, one of the longest large uh, storage uh, units, I I would say. So at the present moment, people around the clock is working. If you look at um, all, if you look at Tesla, you look at most of these guys, they're trying to find some alternative energy you know, or resource where you can actually keep uh, energy for much a longer period of time. But right now, lithium is the way to go. Well, I'm, uh, Anwar, one of your favorite cars also is the Rolls-Royce. Uh, the Amethyst uh, drop tail is a jeweled one, and it says uh, Rolls-Royce uh, drop tail is uh, jeweled with rare gems. So in other words, uh, they got rare gems in it uh, for these big markets in uh, the Amaratis, uh, uh, Anwar. I wouldn't call it a comparison because way back in school, many, many moons ago, I remember seeing a picture of one of the, uh, the kings, or I don't know who it was, one of the prince in some... Brunei, area. Brunei, it, from the Brunei. Brunei. It was, yes, and I, I think he bought this whole lot of Rolls Royces just to bury them to create a picket fence. I'm not really sure if you actually saw the photo. <laughs> and it was remarkable. It was to show the world this is how much money we have. You know, but the, the the vehicle that we're actually talking about was actually unveiled in Switzerland, and here we have a family who owns a gemstone boutique. You know, and which grew ex- extremely, uh, you know, really grew in business itself. So when they ordered this uh, Rolls Royce itself, they wanted something unusual, and the birthstone of their son happens to be, uh, I think it was amethyst. Right, so they took. If you look at the uh, the base of the spirit of ecstasy on the grill itself, that is where they embedded this uh, amethyst itself. If you look at the instrumentation of the cluster itself, they have all this amethyst around it, and nobody wants to actually say exactly what the value of this vehicle is. But this is the second. The first, uh, uh, the drop tail was the La Rose Noah. You know, but they estimate the value of this vehicle to be anywhere around the 560 million mark by the Shafat, which is quite a bit. You know, I, I think, you know, in terms of Rolls Royce, I think because we know it was handmade and it takes so many months to manufacture and, you know, everything about it is extraordinary. I think that is why people actually go for it. But on the other side of the coin, Rolls Royce never really did uh, well when it came to the car market because. So many companies have owned Rolls-Royce from the beginning of time because each and every time they become insolvent or they don't turn a profit. I think right now Volkswagen actually owns the Rolls-Royce, the company. So I suppose, uh, Shafat, by me chopping the Rolls-Royce at the bottom of my driveway one, one fine day, you know, didn't make <laughs> difference, you know? so really speaking, I, I don't know what it is, but uh, uh, the rides were beautiful. I used to ride, I know I used to work on the... Uh, the 67, the 68, uh, two-door Kunish it was. 
beautiful ride. The vehicle, you know, the faster you go, the suspension picks up, and everything is hydraulics. You know, it was a very comfortable vehicle. It had that smell of authentic leather, and it had this wood green finish. You've got to drive it, I suppose, to really appreciate it. The kids really didn't fancy it. I remember my daughter being in primary school, and I dropped her off one day, and she told me, Abba, don't ever do this again. It's embarrassing. So I don't know. Sorry, that is my primary school child <laughs> that spoke to me that day. That was the last time I used the robot. So I suppose it intrigues those who really has a flair, you know, for authentic or beautiful cars. Well, Lukolo, you heard that. I'm not the only man on earth that chopped up a Rolls Royce. Chopped it. They don't want it anymore. Anwar, you're absolutely mashallah this evening. Perhaps your parting words before we let you go. No, alhamdulillah, we're not going to complain about our government today. We'll give him a break. It's not nice. He coughs and sneezes all the time because of all, you know, the bad thoughts people have about the government and the country. So, but alhamdulillah, you know, lately I, I, I've seen a change or a shift in people's attitude, you know, across all uh, nations, I would say, or race groups. And alhamdulillah, you know, the one thing I think we all share in common, and it's very, very frequent it happens, is, you know, the brotherhood that people share across all religious and race groups. And I think, you know, the Muhammad in that itself, I think, keeps the, the light burning, no matter how down we can be in this country. So, inshallah, you know, I suppose if the brotherhood is there, you know, we have some form of hope in the near future for this country. Inshallah, I like your optimism there. And uh, you have a, mashallah, blessed evening ahead of We'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Time for us to go for the Isha Zan and inshallah we will continue after that.